0: Every second you lose, you lose. You're listening to Inside the Spud Goodman Radio Show.
1: Let's get ready, Trumbo. And here he is, the head cheese
2: meister. It's Spud Goodman. Greetings, Andarola. I am Spud Goodman.
3: man, I'm laughing all the way to the bank.
2: (laughs) Welcome to Inside the Spud Goodman Show. Uh, I don't want to give away everything that's on this episode right now, but I can give you a bit of a heads up on what's about to come your way, you know, if you hang with us. We'll be doing an in-depth autopsy of the performance review episode, first aired uh, on October 15, 2015. It features comedian, actress, author, and general rabble-rouser, Kathy Griffin, uh, comedian, actor, and author, Jay Moore, and also musical guest, Trees and Timber, one of my all-time favorite bands. So, yeah, this one will not suck. I can say that for the record. So let me start things off by introducing our show's designated laugher, my aunt Dorothy. Can you give us a snicker? I want to give you sufficient time to get warmed up before you have to deliver the more strenuous uh, laughing duties.
4: Sure Spud, uh I could give you a snicker while sound asleep
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, thank you, uh, but be warned you know that you will know, we'll surely have to turn up the effort level as we go along, you know, yeah, so now I'm required yeah, I'm required to acknowledge our temporary oh. permanent co-host Gerald Holcomb uh, you can say something now, but be brief and precise, precise yes.
5: how does one speak precisely I- what does that even mean? Um, okay, I- I'll give it a try here. I am excited to be with you, our beloved listeners. As uh, excuse
2: we- me, uh, beloved, I-, I don't think yeah. you can say that. That, that you know, these days it just it makes some people feel uncomfortable. You well, know, for those that are not seeking love in their lives. You know, some could interpret that as being a microaggression. What does microaggression mean? I, I don't really know for sure, but I've read about it recently and it makes people very uncomfortable. Okay, so just let me get this episode moving along. Now I need to introduce our show's intern chance. This is your moment chance to directly address all those millions of fans you seem to feel are out there. You know, they're, they're eating up every word you have to say on this podcast. Some some might describe you as delusional, but, you know, I'm going to leave that up to the to our listeners.
3: I don't know about millions, but there is cold, hard proof that I am very popular. Like, ten times more popular than you, the host of this little podcast. Think about it. A simple intern on a now-obscure podcast after you quit the radio business... And I have to get the love of my life, Dorothy, to help me respond to all the emails and messages I get from fans. It's kind of amazing. And you? I bet Google is about to close your email account due to lack of activity.
2: I don't think it's going to happen. Google is not closing down my email account, dude. I have a lot of activity going on there, so don't worry about my popularity, okay? Anyway, this episode we're taking a look at is... It's not one of my favorite ones, okay? It was, not that it was a bad show. It was actually was a pretty good one. But, I, you know, I will now have to relive the experience of being evaluated job-wise while, you know, live on the air. It was it was a bad decision on the part of our executive producer, Lori. She, she thought that, you know, she'd have the opportunity to corner me in the studio, you know, while completing my yearly performance review. As, as yeah, you know, I had been avoiding her, you know. And having to undergo what I feel is a very demeaning process. Who is to say what is a good or bad job performance? Then certainly not another human being. That That is something between my God and me. He, you know, yeah, I'm not really a religious person, but I'm pretty sure he or she w- would have given me a glowing performance review. Now, the, the, the good thing on this one is I didn't have to deal with you, Gerald, or or really anyone else on this episode. It was That was the only pleasant memory. It was just her and I. So there was a lot more elbow room in the studio. I could move around. Uh, yeah, Dave, run the start of this one. Greetings. I am Spud Goodman. And uh, thank you for, uh, I don't know. Bud, man. Patronizing our little <laughs> radio program. With me tonight, against my wishes, I should say, is the show's executive producer, Ms. Lori Madsen. I guess it's that time of year again, and I'm up for my annual performance review like I ever read them. Anyway, uh, that's why she's here. So I guess you can say hello to the listeners. Cause, I mean, if you want. I mean, you're sitting in front of a freaking microphone with me in the studio, which I still don't mm-hmm. understand why it's necessary. You that could is doing, messed up, You can be doing this performance review alone in your office,
6: and you know that. I could, but you know i choose to be a hands-on executive producer. Being here in the studio while you're on the air gives me a much more complete reading of your overall on-air performance. It also allows me to solicit unfiltered feedback from listeners if they would be so gracious as to call in with their opinion on how you're handling your position as host of this program. I have a feeling we're not in Kansas anymore. And before I forget it, I need to correct your description of the show a moment ago. Nowadays, we aren't just a little radio show anymore, as we're being carried in a number of markets, and with that comes, of course, higher expectations yeah. from me and yeah. the stations airing us.
2: Well, You know, you can describe the show any way you like. I prefer to think of us as still a funky little radio program broadcasting to, like, friends and family.
6: It's a lot less... It's just not stressful. Well, I can't handle stress to so don't... As they say, if you can't stand the heat... Get out of the kitchen.
2: I think it was the basement, you know, or, or poss- possibly the garage. I'm not totally sure, but the kitchen oh just doesn't God. sound right.
6: It's the kitchen, Spud. Okay, I don't think anyway. so. Anyway... Maybe this would be a good time for someone on the soundboard to give out the number as I'm going to need it to hear from at least a few listeners to give their feedback on you as the host of the show. Huh, if we really? do it, yeah, if we do it live, it'll be unfiltered, much more honest way to secure the information. I'm going to need to complete this annual performance review. I hope everyone listening now will give consideration to partici- participating, participating yeah. in this. Yes, what a Yeah. <laughs> Call in on the Spud Line.
0: Two five three six 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 4-2-3-2. Four, two, three, two.
2: Bum, bum. Hey, hey, not that I'm opposed to you telling that temporary co-host you dumped on me, Gerald, to take the night off, but uh, I seriously do miss our designated laugher, Gina, with me. She's not with me tonight, and I have to rely I always rely on her supportive laughter to give me strength to get through the show, and tonight's going to be a challenge, so please put that down as a mitigating factor on that evaluation you're now filling out right well, now.
6: Well, I just felt for me to get a more accurate view of your performing your job duties. It would be best for me to see you work solo without Relying on others to prop you up, so to prop. speak. Yes. You'll need to you're gonna be doing just fine. Just pretend I'm not here. As for what I'm writing down, they're just notes. You'll get a formal copy of your evaluation well, next if, week. Do you
2: think begging listeners to call in and complain about me will give you grounds to take some kind of action against me? You're dreaming. My listeners would never ever cooperate with the oppressive
6: arm of management. No one's gonna call in, so you're wasting your time. Please, someone play the cart with the station phone number, please.
2: They already did. It's enough. All, in. All right, hey, um, you're, you're soon going to learn that people have my back. There may not be millions of them, but they're loyal, and right now I, I just need to play some
6: music. i got to get this thing moving. Okay, please choose a song that's not loud or off-putting to the mainstream audience we're striving for, but you have a terrible taste in music. Seriously. Well, I'll,
2: I'll take that as a compliment coming from you with that light jazz doctor's office sort of music you listen to. Oh, now, this song... You know, being absent from the studio
5: on this episode meant I had to listen on my car radio in the garage at home, but I do clearly remember your disrespectful attitude with our boss. I really, I cannot believe that she didn't write you up for insubordination after this one, or maybe she did, and I'm just not aware of
2: it. I didn't get written up or anything. Okay. Now the performance review wasn't that great, but Hey, you know, I live to see another day doing the show.
4: Oh, I know you don't get along with Lori and yes, she can be a bit of a taskmaster at times, but I think that you Spud have some difficulty with strong opinionated Mm -hmm. women. And, and that's just my impression. That's ridiculous.
2: Um, I have difficulty with strong, opinionated males, too, okay? If they have the power to tell me what to do on the job. It has nothing to do with gender roles.
3: I myself am very attracted to extremely strong women. Like, really strong. My mother was a big influence in my life, and I seem to respond best to dominant females.
2: You know, Chance, I know a lot of guys that pay... A considerable amount of money for that service, but but right now, let's check out my interview with our first guest, uh, Kathy Griffin. Uh, this was before she got canned by CNN because uh, I really miss her on their New Year's Eve shows, you know, with Anderson Cooper. No offense to Andy Cohen, uh, but but she's in a different league than him, uh, and she was fired just because she did a pick holding, you know. Trump's fake head. Uh, I guess no one could take a joke.
7: Get him
5: out
1: of here! Right away.
5: Well, it was very
2: distasteful. Ah, uh, more distasteful than sleeping with a porn star while your pregnant wife is waiting for you at home? Mm. Ah, yeah, th- c- mull that over. Dave, run the segment. Hey, hey, if you're gonna if you're gonna take up space here you know, in the studio tonight, do, do we... T- do something. I mean, my God, can, can you help out and see if our first guest is on the line?
6: It's not my job duties, but I'll check with the interns to see if... Look, uh, all you have
2: to do is let me know
6: when Kathy Griffin is on the line. How tough is that? Okay, just a moment. Yes, Kathy Griffin's ready to speak to you. Now, Good. I don't know what Good. you're going to ask her, but she's a pretty big star, so try not to offend her, okay? Me? me offend Kathy Griffin? Yeah, that's going to happen. Just put her through. Okay, somebody put her on. All right, please
2: welcome, uh, warmly I hope, comedian, actress, best-selling author, producer, talk show host, and our country's premier New Year's Eve celebrant, Kathy Griffin. Hey, thanks for calling in to the show.
8: Well, I like that you said the warmly I hope, because does that mean I can't make fun of your name even for like a second?
2: Uh, join the crowd.
3: Have at it.
8: I'm, I'm just saying, first of all, how dare you leave out my two Emmys and Grammy. Second of all... Being raised Irish Catholic, although frankly the Catholic part didn't really um, stick, how can I not love someone named Spud? I mean, that is the food of our people. There is nothing that the Irish can't do with a potato. So, thank you. For if that. I'm going to make fun of your name, it's all with love.
2: Well, thank you. You know, will I be like a unicorn when I go to your show? Because as far as I know, I'm a straight man, at least I think I am, I don't know, but w- would I be the only one there? Because it wouldn't bother me, but it would influence my wardrobe selection for the evening.
8: Well, first of all, start working out now. I'm not going to lie. All right. Start doing the sit-ups. Um, I would avoid carbs if okay. I were you. Ooh. Um, Ooh. But I'll tell you the dirty little secret. If you're a straight guy and you come to a Kathy Griffin show, yes. let me tell you, the odds are very much in your favor of getting laid that night. Yes. Because... I'm not gonna say I'm not gonna say you're in a tiny minority, but you are in the minority. You're gonna see a lot of like ladies who are coming for their bachelorette party. You're gonna see a lot of gay men who will inadvertently give you fashion tips, and you're gonna see definitely girls that are having girls' night. And here's the dirty secret that I've been told throughout the years: you'd be shocked at how many straight guys were like. Oh my god! Um, I came to the show and I met like ten women in the lobby. Yeah, that's what it's wow. like.
9: All right. It's like
8: it's sort of like going to it's like accidentally stumbling into a gay pride fest meets a feminist rally, but there's going to be like thousands of people there. So you should you should come early see the first show and then like hang around in the lobby and you'll probably get some digits.
2: You see, I need any edge I can get, so I've I've taken all that down. All right, super.
8: I'm telling you, this is is a case where, I mean, I've done studies. Factually, the numbers are very much in your favor. So you're gonna, I mean, there are gonna be, I think that theater holds like two or three thousand people. You are gonna be able to walk around like, it's gonna be like a living tinder for you.
2: Wow. You know, I've yeah. ah, That's that's I can't even. My that that exceeds my dreams. All right. Well, okay. Let me move on to this one because uh, we are both lapsed Catholics, I believe. So when you see the current pope, does it prompt you to feel just a tiny bit of regret, like after dumping someone and later seeing them after a makeover and they look so freaking hot? I mean, this pope is cooler than Brad Pitt or Kendrick Lamar. I mean, how do you have any, you know, regrets?
8: Well, first of all, I like that you likened Pope Frank to Kendrick Lamar. Yes. So, yes, I think that he could potentially be the Kendrick Lamar of the Catholic Church. But, of course, I mean, look, I was uh, my poor parents wasted their money sending me to parochial school. Yeah. And um, I didn't exactly um, do what the nuns and priests said. And, by the way, I think... Getting in the stand-up comedy is, is, I think it's actually in the Bible. One shall not become a stand-up comic if you're a female. However, um... Excuse me if I might cut in here, Spud.
2: What? Uh, Sorry about this, Kathy. I'll be right back.
8: Don't you think it'd be
6: a wise idea to maybe not bring religion into discussion? Our demographics are much larger than lapsed Catholics. Well, when the Pope was here in this country, he got more coverage than any
2: Super Bowl, Donald Trump news conference, or OJ's trial ever got. He's not just a religious dude. He's a freaking star, bigger than all the Kardashians put together. And he can throw in Caitlyn, too. Um, Kathy, I'm I'm sorry I'm I'm, I'm sorry Um, Well, you know, you appeared in the documentary of Joan Rivers' A Piece of Work and also the Don Rickles film, Mr. Warmth The Don Rickles Project How big of an influence do you feel these two individuals have had on the world of comedy? Because to me, everybody owes them big time
8: Everybody owes them big time and I actually just had dinner with Don and his wife Barbara last week. Oh, wow, cool. And you know, Joan was a true friend and mentor and right. I really always hung on her every word and we had, you know, decades a decades long friendship and the same with Rickles. And you know, what they did and what they impart was the legitimacy of stand up comic comedy. And I take it really seriously. You know, I'm like I'm like I said, I'm doing eighty cities and all kinds of venues. And that's what it takes. You have to keep doing it and doing it and loving it. And, you know, my last conversation with Joan, two weeks before she went into her coma, she just kept pounding the table saying, Aren't we lucky? Aren't we lucky we get to do this? And Rickles feels the same way. You know, Rickles, he now does stand up actually sitting down. And he said the first time he did stand up in a chair, he was self conscious. And then about five minutes in, they were just laughing like they always do. And I said, Don, no one goes to see you stand. They go to see what you say. They want to hear what comes out of your mouth. And he gave a toast at this dinner, and Sidney Poitier was there, and he was giving it to Sydney just like he's been doing for decades. And, you know, all these famous people were there. And it's so cool to see people accept stand-up comics doing what they do. And in this world of social media and political correctness, I love that I can stand on stage. And trust me, the people that come to see me live, it has my name on the ticket. It's not an evening with a bunch of comics, and then I do 10 minutes. They know what they're getting. They know I'm not going to hold back. They know I'm going to get in trouble. There could be a walkout. That's always a good thing. I love a good, sturdy walkout. So, yeah, the, the legends have absolutely taught me that. But they also take it seriously as an art form. So I've had serious talks with those guys, too, about what it was like to play back in the day as opposed to now. Mm -hmm. And I also reach out to Amy Schumer and Lena Dunham, and I reach out to the people that are out there doing it now. I mean, I love getting help and advice, and I love swapping stories, talking shop with the whole gang.
2: Wow. All right. Very a nice little story about uh, you having dinner with Don and his wife. That's very cool. Um, all
8: right. Well, earlier. So I re- cool. And by the way, every moment you spend with someone like a Don Rickles, trust me, you know, it's special. So yeah. those type of people, the giants, the icons, they never lose that. You know, so when I get to spend time with folks like that, it's not like I'm cavalier about it. I'm, like, taking every word that they say in. So I'm glad that you appreciate, like, the real deal, folks.
2: Heck yeah. Um, Well, earlier I referenced your annual gig welcoming in the new year with Anderson Cooper on CNN. I never miss it, but he seems like he has unlimited patience. Has he ever off-camera on break told you to show him some mercy?
8: Uh, Yeah, he begs every time. Um, my goal is to make him cry, but now he's so busy dancing with Madonna at Madison Square Garden, I can barely, I'm going to have to, let me tell you something, I'm going to have to bring him right back down to earth, okay? Because now he clearly, he's covering the Pope, he's dancing with Madonna, he's going to have to deal with me on New Year's Eve.
2: (laughs) All right, let me move on, i got like one or two more. Um, You've co-hosted on The View, even after a few expulsions in the past, it seems like you're like Michael Corleone, you know, like when you seem to be out, they pull you back in, and it's, I mean... Is it a love-hate deal for you? or how? It's, it's been interesting.
8: Oh, it's a definite love-hate deal for me. And one of the reasons it's love-hate is because, and she would probably deny this, but I love Barbara Walters even though she hates me. And I learned from Barbara personally, and I'm quite proud of this, that that's okay. It's okay. Like, I have the same relationship with Oprah. I love Oprah she hates me but that doesn't really? mean i don't still love her yes so you know i have how can done a of times how can anybody hate you that's impossible well exactly i am obviously lovable but um barbara walters i would say um expressed to me in the past that she thinks i go too far and there would be commercial breaks where she would say i willy really wish you wouldn't say those things you willy really shouldn't be so vulgo And I would just giggle like a schoolgirl. So I love all the incarnations of The View. I'm constantly following what they're up to. The cast changes are fascinating to me. I was there the day after the infamous Rosie-Elizabeth Hasselbeck throwdown. I was there when Elizabeth Hasselbeck came up to me backstage. and was like, I love you. You say all the things that I'm afraid to say. And I was also there the day she said... How do you feel coming here, saying things uh, to our face that maybe aren't so true and aren't even funny? And then I said, bring it, and the audience burst into applause. So, yes, I have had all kinds of experiences on The View, and I love it. I mean, I love mixing it up. I love listening. I love butting in. I love being in environments where I truly don't know what's going to happen and that, like New Year's Eve, like my live act, I love being in environments where I'm not quite sure what's going to happen minute by minute.
2: Um, I and my fellow Kathy Griffin fans would like to know if you have any unmet dreams left on your to-do list. Is there a, is there a project or something out there that you still have hopes of being involved in?
8: I love that question because I can't stand it when people say like, oh... You've done it all. No, I have not had my brass ring moment. I have had three cult shows with my name in the title, but they were cult shows. I've never had like a Lorne Michaels or a team of writers. I write all my own stuff. I've never had a big fancy network behind me. And so I very much think that there's a misperception in Hollywood that I've like had my moment. No. I want my
2: moment. I know you're busy, so I'm going to let you go. So once again, look for Kathy in your city as this woman is on the move with her Like a Boss tour. (laughs) And there you have it, Ms. Kathy Griffin. But, you know, when you you say things, do you think that sometimes it might hurt people's feelings. Yes. How far
8: how far does Until comedy go? No. She doesn't care. Wait a minute, I'm just going gonna... it's funny, mm. it's funny. And look, they don't always work. I'm the first to admit they don't always always work, but I go for it no matter yeah, what. Nothing's like off it the table. does it to you 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 said,
9: like said things here about people here that yeah. are A untrue and B not so funny. So do you ever feel oh. weird like them coming here oh. say and oh. sitting here oh. and, oh. and you kinda you know promoting things. Actually, this moment is what I live for, so bring it.
5: Uh, you know, I'd forgotten that you had compared Pope Francis to that rapper, uh, Kendrick Lamar. Now, as a Mormon, I don't agree much, uh, much, too much with what any popes have to say, but especially with that liberal Francis. He loves everyone, and that's just not what God would want. There has to be some kind of penalty, you know, like um, being shunned for doing weird stuff.
4: Oh, brother, Gerald, sometimes I cannot believe how messed up you are.
3: Yeah, I think he has a clear case of brain rot. Maybe it would help you, Gerald, if you started taking a supplement for your mind like ginkgo biloba or something. My
5: brain is just fine, Chance. There's no need for supplements.
3: You stupid ignorant son of a dumb.
2: yeah, outside of a full frontal lobotomy, I doubt any, you know, supplement is going to help you out. Uh, yeah, okay, right now we're, we're going to air my interview with our musical guest, Trees and Timber, and then a song from them live in our studio. Dave, hit it. All right, it's musical guest interview time. Uh, please welcome back to the show, Trees and Timber. And for those who are not familiar with this really, really fine band, please state uh, your birth name and your instrument a preference.
3: Joe Baker or Joseph Baker and guitar vocals. Super. I'm Gwendolyn Rose and I play the electric bass guitar. And oh, oh, come over <laughs> <here>. Sorry. <laughs> Hello. Paul Rabicki, drums
2: thank you alright well let's, let's talk about the band's uh, album the last album you have out, had out Hello My Name Is Love it's available on Swoon Records and I advise everyone to go out and try to order it immediately um, so here's my question you guys crank out like killer songs like an assembly line in Detroit how they pump out cars it's not supposed to be that easy so all, all you know all your songs are really good so do you have an unfair advantage steroids what are we talking about
3: well, mostly we just rip off other hit songs, and then uh, put other lyrics to it, like old... Wow. Old
2: yeah. Looks super. No, that's not true. That's uh, That's not true, but it sounded good. Alright, <laughs> well, um, what's the band's position on the still growing number of flavors of Oreo cookies? When will it stop? I've addressed this previously with others, but now it seems to be a
3: huge social problem that is spiraling out of control. Well, it's mostly just confusion at the supermarket. You know, when you buy choices, but, choices, yeah. too many choices. Like I don't, I don't even want the double stuff because yes. that just confuses me when I just want regular Oreos to dip in my milk, but I end up with double stuff and it's just overload.
2: I'm buying mega stuff and then I'm buying the regular ones and then I and then I and now they have freaking pumpkin ones out. I don't know what and the mint. hell it was. Yeah. Anyway. All right. I don't want to. I don't want to burden you guys with that issue. There's all the other things that we have to probably worry about. Um, all right. Well, what's the name of the first song you guys are gonna do? This one's called Super Ghost. Alright, this is a great song, I think I've heard this, let's do it!
1: Show.
2: This is a Goodman Goodman Show. Boy, I-, I wish that band was still playing live shows. Uh, you know, maybe in the future okay now I guess we're going to play more of the ongoing battle between me and my boss Lori who is is actually trying to to do my performance review while I'm on the air
9: yeah
5: I can't believe how patient our executive producer Lori is with you while just attempting to do her job
2: uh kissing her butt now helps you how well, uh you know she, she she may still have her hand in this new podcast but but the power is has shifted as they say uh Dave roll it. All right, can I ask if you have enough now? I mean, do you have everything you need to do my evaluation?
6: There's no need for you to hang around here any longer. I'm nowhere near compiling enough information to adequately complete your performance evaluation. It's a lengthy, time-consuming process. Well, well,
2: besides booking the guests, really, what the heck else do you have to do as an executive producer?
6: We don't have... We don't have the airtime for me to fully detail what my job duties entail. Just get back to the show and try to display a bit more enthusiasm in your delivery. You're putting people to sleep here. I would disagree with that oh, our interns are saying we have a call holding from a longtime listener. Please put it through. Hey, uh, hey, hey, is this the lady that wants to hear from our uh, listeners about the show? Yes, I've solicited the input of listeners. Do you have an opinion about the show?
7: Yeah, yeah, you know, I've been listening for, like, on and off, I don't know, a year, year and a half now. It's not really bad. It's not a bad show. I mean, you know, it's no fresh air or all things considered, but... Well, what
6: are part of some of the sh- things on the show that you enjoy?
7: Oh, well, you know, I usually like the musical guests. Not always, you know, uh, but, you know, mostly they're pretty good. Uh, I love to hear the celebrity guests being interviewed. Uh, it's kind of entertaining, you know. Oh, and I totally dig the clips of the week that you put on the air. Some of them are funny.
6: Caller, you haven't mentioned our host, Spud Goodman. Can you give me an honest take on him? Do you find him likable? Uh, who? The host of the program, Spud Goodman.
7: Yeah, you know, I'm not, I'm not really good with names. You know, I don't know. You know, I don't mind most of the people that talk on the show. Uh, the chick that laughs sounds cute, but I really like the famous people that come on. You know, uh, everybody that's there, I guess, is okay.
6: Okay, fine. Thanks for calling in. Hey, Today, hey, hey. A Kelly File exclusive. I, I talk a lot on this show, caller, so if you're still listening, thanks for the positive words. I don't think that was a ringing endorsement for you at all. The caller didn't even know your name.
2: So if you did a better job promoting this program, maybe
6: I would be a household name by now. That falls on you. This isn't about me tonight.
2: Well, hey, they're, they're saying we have another call. Should I take it?
6: Absolutely. I need a much larger right. well, sample. don't harass this I'm caller put, then. Okay, okay. Put, him, put the call through. Come on, yo. Hey, uh, am I in the air? Yes. Are you a long-time listener? Well, long-time? I wouldn't say that. Wait, uh, how do you define long-time? A regular listener of the show, like, for more than six months or so. Well,
2: you know, I think I heard a few minutes of the show last week, if that's what you want to know. Uh, uh, does he have some kind of a
6: stupid name? Or well,
2: You know, I don't listen to much radio. I have adult ADHD, and I can't sit still long enough to hear a full show, What how long is the program
7: yet? Spud
6: Show is 60 minutes, and the second hour is the post-show report where we analyze the first hour's highlights.
2: Highlights? Well, I guess I need to listen longer until the highlights start happening, and then I can answer your question. You know, I'll keep it tuned in as long as I can before I you know, I get a little restless. Uh, my legs start shaking sometimes, so I can't make any promises how long I'll listen, but you know, I'll try my best. Uh uh, how about I call you next week with my take? No, no, she's not going to be here She'll next call week. You. So don't waste your time on this, all right? Hey, Ms. Executive Producer, uh, just see if our next guest is holding. You know, we got a show to do here. I'm running behind.
6: Okay, I believe you're next. Oh,
2: well, you know, okay, good, fine. I'm yeah, go. I'm anyway, so, yeah, you know, goodbye. Bye.
6: All right, I believe your next guest is on the line ready to well, who go. Who is it? I didn't ask.
2: You're the executive producer of this program and you didn't ask the interns? Who was holding on the oh, line as well, su- our next
6: guest? I suppose I could look at the show schedule to see... Okay, it's Jay Moore. Ooh, you know, I I really loved him in that Jerry Maguire movie. Any other personal things you want to express before I begin the damn interview? No need to get snippy here. I've already gone over the insubordination issue in the last year. Just put him on. Do we need to review that again? No, put him on.
5: (sighs) Like I just said, I don't understand how Lori could have remained so professional while undergoing your lack of respect for her position, Spud. I, I sure sh- I'm sure, i sure I, I would not enjoy being your
3: supervisor.
2: Uh, Like that would ever happen. Maybe. No, it's not. Ever. It happen. Well,
3: you really do have an antisocial personality, Spud. You don't get along well with others.
2: Well... That is that true. Is true. Uh, who likes being told what to do? I don't. And, and that makes me a bad employee or a psycho? Actually, your behavior
5: defines what a bad employee is. They're supposed to do what their
2: boss asks them to do. Uh, this is not Russia or North Korea. Uh you know, why don't we move on here and just play my interview with actor and comedian Jay Moore, okay? Uh, oh, and he wrote a book, too, I should add. Uh, he's a funny guy. Dave, roll it. All right, please say hello to actor, comedian, author, and sports talk show host Jay Moore. Uh, welcome to the program, Jay. Good evening,
7: Spud. How are you, sir? This is my new fancy voice. Bud Goodman,
2: ladies and gentlemen. There you go. All right. Well well uh, let's let's begin with your stint on uh Saturday Night Live. We we've had many SNL cast members on our show over the last few years, but so you came in with Sarah Silverman and Norm McDonald as featured players and writers. Uh, right. uh, Macdonald. Uh, you know, I got hired on Saturday Night Live
7: with uh this, uh, this guy Jane Moore. You know, and here he is a Playing Tacoma? That's crazy. Uh, Norm was amazing. He became the update anchor my second year there, and he stuck around. I only lasted two years and flamed out. I was terrible at Saturday Night Live, and it's all my fault. I had panic disorder really bad. I talk about it a lot on my podcast. and I'm really open about it because, I don't know, if somebody has panic disorder... There's nothing more manly than going and asking for help. Cause we always want to fix it ourselves, but right. you know, and that goes for depression, or anxiety, or, or you know, social anxiety, or alcoholism, or drug addiction. You go, I'll fix it. I'll fix. it. There's nothing more manly. I'm telling your listeners, you know that, than a grown-up man saying to another grown-up man, "I need help. Help me." That's the manliest thing you could do. So. When I was on Saturday Night Live, I had really bad, bad panic disorder and panic attacks crippling. And I'd be in sketches on live TV, dying. You're dying. And um, Sarah Silverman said to me, hey, you're having a panic attack. You got to go see my doctor. She'll save your life. I called her doctor on a Saturday night. The lady called me back within the hour. I saw her on a Sunday. I got medicated. Uh, nothing loopy, nothing. It's a drug called Klonopin. I take one in the morning, one at night. Same dosage since 1993. And uh, it saved my life. And But I, I didn't really do many sketches. I did, I did like Christopher Walken. I was like the first guy to crack the code on the Christopher Walken impression. And I remember I wrote um, a sketch, Christopher Walken just selling Skittles. It was just the weirdest thing I could think of. And it was just literally me alone going, I'd like to talk to you for a moment, yeah, if I may, about Skittles. They're good for you, and they come in an array of fruit flavors, like lemon, lime. Oh! And uh, that sketch got on the air. And the rest is, now when I do stand-up, people yell, do walking. Well, it's my hit.
2: Well, you wrote a book, right? It was, did quite well, Gasping for Airtime, which, which detailed this, correct? If you want to... Yes, sir. If you want to know... Not you, the
7: listener, obviously. If anybody listening wants to know what it's like every day at Saturday Night Live, my book, Gasting for Airtime. You can get it at jmore.com. You can get it wherever you want. You could steal it. I don't care. Um, like, nobody ever wrote a book about this is what happens Monday. This is when you meet the host. This is when things are written. This is why the monologue always stinks. This is what it's like to meet the band Nirvana while they're rehearsing in an empty room... Uh, this is what it's like to meet Pearl Jam. This is who was a jerk. This is who was great. This is what Chris Farley was like. The most beautiful man I ever met. That's all in the book.
2: All right. Well, um, let me give you a follow-up a bit, though. Uh, on, on yeah, what yeah. Went down. Now, you, you left the show after two seasons to concentrate on films in 1996, you killed it as the ethically challenged sports agent Bob Sugar in, in Jerry Maguire film opposite Tom Cruise and Cuba Gooding Jr. So, here's my question. Well, knowing yes, what sir. you do about the business side of sports, uh, who would you trust more, an agent or one of those dudes selling gold and silver on late-night cable?
7: <laughs> you
2: know what? I'm going to
7: trust the gold and silver guys on cable because they're on TV and the television station will get sued if they're not only up and up. So they have to. They're under that corporate umbrella because they're on a TV channel. Does that make sense? Yeah. <laughs> Whereas an agent, an agent can just go rogue. But you know what's interesting about Saturday? Uh, excuse me. About Jerry Maguire. That was my first movie I ever did. And when I auditioned for Jerry Maguire, I didn't audition for Bob Sugar. I auditioned to be the quarterback that was played by Jerry O'Connell, Cush. Uh
2: huh. And for
7: some reason, when I walked in there. My southern accent went out the window. My mother's from Odessa, Texas. My grandmother was Miss Texas. I know southern, I know, I know that accent. But on that audition with Cameron Crowe and Jim Brooks and all these producers, I wet the bed. I was just a kid from Jersey. I couldn't do anything. But I don't know, they liked something about me. And they said, will you read for the nanny? There's a male nanny in the movie. I don't know if you remember that he, he tries to hug uh, Tom Cruise goodbye. And Tom Cruise on the front right. yard is like, we're good, we're good, we're good, we're good. Right. And it's Renee Zellweger's male nanny. And I read for that. And then I came back again and again for the male nanny. And Cameron Crowe, before I read for all the producers, in the studio said, here's the thing, the speech the nanny has about the jazz cassette that he hands Tom Cruise when he thinks he's going to give him a condom, you're going to need this? It's a Miles Davis, John Coltrane cassette. He says, it's the easiest thing in the movie for me to cut out. But when you say it, I can't cut it. You say it too well. So just do it the way you've been doing it. Now, Spud, the worst thing you can tell an actor is do what you've been doing the same. Because then you start like, well, how was I doing it? I blew that. I ruined it, right? Then Jim Brooks, who, you know, Simpsons and as good as it gets, he just looks up in the middle of me blowing a second audition in a row, goes, hey, what about Sugar? And everybody looked at each other like, oh, my gosh. And the hair on the back of my neck stood up. And they said, have you read the script? I go, yeah, but I knew, Spud, that Bob Sugar was the guy. And I knew what it meant in the movie. And I said, hey, um," but I kind of panicked because I didn't want to go out in the hallway, learn the lines in 10 minutes, and come back and blow a third audition. I said, could I go home? Because he deserves to be played completely and really learn the lines so I'm not wasting your time. And for some reason, because in movies, they always want it right away, and they don't have enough money. But for some reason, these guys at Jerry Maguire said, you want to just come back next week? And I said, yeah. So they gave me like six days, and I just memorized the whole script and Bob Sugar, and I walked in, and I just like took a bat to their ribs. Like I just beat the snot out of these people with this part. And then the very next day, it was a Saturday, and I went in with Tom Cruise. By the way, he's not gay. He's super cool. He's right, kind, and he right. did not try. He, he did not. He did not try to convert me to Scientology. Right. He knew everyone's name. One of the kindest men I've ever met. Oh. And he's a pro. On time. Hey, how you doing? How's your daughter? How the jaw surgery go on your wife? How's like everybody? He knows their names. But I go in on a Saturday, and t- at Sony, Tom Cruise is eating his lunch in a on a couch when I walk in, he's got a mouthful of food, he's gotta stand up, I go, alright, strike one, right? I'm interrupting you guys' lunch. We sit down to do the firing Tom Cruise scene, and Tom Cruise knows the whole thing by heart. We're a month out before we even shoot the movie. He knows the whole script by heart, but he is trying to kill me in this scene. It's not like two guys like working it out, like an audition, like, eh, you know, we'll have fun. No, he is Jerry Maguire, and he is angry. <laughs> Like, it was crazy, and it was one of those moments where you go, I either get intimidated right now, or I rise up, and I just curb stomp this guy, and I because he's fired. You know, F him. So I chose to curb stomp him, and I got the part. I was on the set of the Jeff Foxworthy show, a sitcom, and Cameron Crowe called me in my dressing room and said, what are you doing the next three months? And I said, hopefully working for you. And he said, me too, you got it, congratulations. Wow. It was incredible.
2: Yeah. Beautiful. I would guess that Tom Cruise is intense about everything, even like walking to the refrigerator to get a snack. I mean, he's just, he doesn't do anything half-assed. That's just my own impression, but I don't know the dude.
7: No, 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 you're exactly right. He does nothing half-assed. He's uber-present. And when he looks you in the eye, I've met a bunch of politicians doing The Tonight Show, done The Tonight Show 21 times, and probably eight of those times were, were with either the president or the vice president or someone running for president. And Hillary Clinton, like, when politicians shake your hand and they look you in your eye, you're the only person alive. Like, they're so, because they need that vote. Right, you know what I mean? Right. Tom, Tom's like that. Like, when Tom looks at you, it's just you and Tom. And you think it's an act. And I said to him, hey, you actually race cars with my dad in track in Watkins Glen, SCCA racing in the Northeast. Oh, really? And he goes, oh yeah. And I said, yeah. And I said, my dad wanted to, me to ask you what gear were you in when you crashed in turn one at Watkins Glen? And he said, I don't know, I think I was in, well, obviously I was in too low of a gear because I crashed, but I, I'm going to think about it. A month goes by, we're at Sun Double Stadium in Arizona, Tempe, Arizona, middle of the night, Tom Cruise is yelling at me, Jay! I'm on the football field. Jay! I look, talking towards me. I'm like, did I just get fired? This is a month's spot. And Tom Cruise walks up to me and goes, hey, let me ask you a question. I go, what is it, buddy? He goes, ask your dad, what gear was he in? Because he didn't crash in that race. He finished fourth. I'm like, is this guy,
2: like, really? Like, he knows that about me and my family? Like, it interested him. Do you know what I mean? Wow. Uh, So yeah, he had some Rain Man-esque uh, tendencies in, off, off camera, yeah. too. Yeah interject here at this time, spot. Uh, 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 Jay, uh, c- can you give me just a second? Can this wait until I'm done with this interview?
6: Jeez, give me a break. We're live on the air. I'm thinking it might be a good time to mention Jay also being in the radio business. You know, maybe some cross promotion? He's on the Fox Sports Radio Network Monday through Friday from 3 to 6 p.m.
2: Yeah, I'm aware of this, but I only have so much time with him and I have some other questions to ask. If I get a chance, I'll cover it. Okay. Alright, All right, just be quiet. This is my money question. Uh, what's been your most memorable moment on earth to this point? It might sound trite, but, you know, people love the answer. No, it's not so.
7: trite, and i got an easy answer, Brian. Right. I me. was a guest star on the TV show Las Vegas. I walked out of my trailer to go to rehearsal, and from about 50 yards away, Nikki Cox was standing in the parking lot, sweatpants, Ugg boots, long sleeve t-shirt and rollers in her hair, and a cigarette holding a script, and from 50 yards away, I said, I want to be in that woman's life forever. Whether it's marriage, booty call, dating, I don't care if I'm her friend that she calls to complain about the guy who is having sex with her, Would in any capacity, that woman right there can never be out of my sight. That was the all-time greatest moment, and it happened on a TV lot at Las Vegas and my wife wrote my last Showtime special word for word verbatim like I had to act it out but wow. she writes so much of my material and she's so brilliant she's so beautiful and she sleeps with me
2: I'm lucky damn how many guys have a wife that can write their material that's pretty freaking cool alright how many guys have a wife that'll sleep with them well that's true that's I true I asked man. my wife yeah. about a
7: month I said to my wife because guys always go like hey, you're going to have one woman the rest of your life and I'm like yeah but it's the one it's not like it's not like UPS dropped a five off at my door and said alright make it work she's kind of chatty it's like the one I picked and she's smoking hot and a month ago I had uh, I said do you want to fool around and she actually said hey I have the flu I-, I can't do it the way you want to do it but can I do
2: you know something else and I was like uh, yeah that'll work that one that's the one I picked she's a winner it's a nice consolation prize all right hey man I want to thank you so much for calling in tonight I love you man all right Mr. J Moore
5: You know, I don't understand what Jay was saying about his wife sleeping with him at night. My wife, Rachel, and I have shared the same bed since our wedding night. We, we always sleep together. Most nights, we try to get a good solid hours when we can, you, you know, with family obligations and
2: everything. It, it's tough. How many hours a night do you sleep? Seven. Seven hours? Well, that's what we try for. Oh, and, I, and I don't think Jay was talking about sleeping, dude.
3: After Dorothy and I get married, I'll be giving up my bunk bed and we'll be sleeping together in the same bed. That's so hot. I believe it's a queen size, right?
4: Uh, yes, sweetie. It, it's a queen size. But... I have given some thought to upgrading to a California king-size mattress, as I do need my space while sleeping. As you know, I'm kind of a restless uh, sleeper and move around a lot, so actually it would be for your protection.
3: From our naps together, I have noticed that, but you've never kicked me hard or anything I think the queen size will work.
2: Okay, you guys work out your sleeping arrangements later. Right now, I think we're going to play another segment of our Clip of the Week. Uh, This one was titled The Great Wall of Trump. And I should add, this was just right before the 2016 election. uh, Hit it. Ladies
1: and gentlemen... I am officially running officially 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 running for president 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 of the United States No, I do not believe in evolution. I do not think it should be taught in schools. I I I will be the greatest the greatest the greatest jobs president that God ever created. I tell you that. I will be the greatest that God ever created. Hey, I will be God. Hey, I have lobbyists, so I have to tell you. I have lobbyists that can produce anything for me.
8: They're great. You know, that's actually one thing that I'm not very educated on, so I need to look up on, on exactly what that means.
0: Okay, well, you-,
9: you... But I
8: do know it's a, it's a
1: vaccine, correct?
0: No, euthanasia is assisted suicide.
1: When Mexico sends its people, they're not sending their best. They're not sending you. They're not sending you. They're sending people that have lots of problems, lots of problems, lots of problems, and they're bringing those problems with us. They're bringing drugs, they're bringing crime, they're rapists, and some, and some, some, I assume are good people. I would build a great wall, a great wall, and nobody builds, nobody builds, nobody builds walls better than me, believe me. And I'll build them very inexpensively, very inexpensively. I will build a great, great wall. I will build a great, 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 great wall on our southern border, and I will have Mexico pay for that wall. Mark my words. Mark my words.
9: Mark my... I believe that our education, like such as in South Africa and uh, the Iraq, everywhere like such as and...
1: Hey, I'm not saying they're stupid. I like China. I sell apartment for 10... I just sold an apartment for 15 million dollars to somebody from China. Somebody from China. Somebody from China. 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 Am I supposed to dislike them? I don't need anybody's money. It's nice. I don't need anybody's money i'm using my own money i'm not using the lobbyists i'm not using donors i don't care i'm really rich i'm really rich i'm really rich i'll show you that in a second and president
5: trump did build a big and beautiful wall it was thousands of miles long on our southern border and kept out all the people who should not be here.
1: Yes, we're going to have the wall, and yes, Mexico is going to pay for the wall 100%.
5: And what thanks did he get? Just the deep state and the Justice Department targeting him with unjust legal cases against him. What a travesty. And what a way to treat the greatest president
2: ever. Uh, That dumb wall was uh, like a... Maybe a, maybe a few hundred miles long, and, and it's already coming apart or, or being pole vaulted over. You know, the greatest gangster president of all time will soon be in prison, uh, where, where he can, you know, reminisce uh, with his fellow mobsters there about the good old days where, when he, when like, scammed millions of old white people out of their money, not with just, like, Trump stakes, Trump water, or, or Trump university, but with his biggest scam. Yeah, making America great again. We were great again
5: <laughs> until Joe Biden stole the election.
3: No, you haven't. You're a lying dog-faced pony soldier. Gerald, you and my dad need to give that one up. It's really gotten old. Kind of like stale bagels, the three- or four-month-old ones. Let it go.
4: Uh oh, I feel so sorry for your mother, Chance. What a cross to bear.
2: All right, right, right now, uh, I guess we're going to play the end of this episode. I, I think I showed I could not be browbeaten and coerced into doing something I was not comfortable with. It, you know, I, I like to think it was a small victory for labor against management. Dave, uh, do it. Hit it, please.
6: But I now have pretty much all I'm going to need to complete my evaluation. Good. I'll be scheduling a conference with you in my office probably at the end of next week to go over everything. You should know the drill by now.
2: Well, I was told by my attorney that I shouldn't sign any documents that he hasn't reviewed first. Your, blah, a- blah, blah.
6: your attorney does not need to be involved in a yearly performance eval. That's ridiculous. Hey, attorney-client
2: confidentiality prevents me from sharing what my lawyer told me to tell you if you questioned this.
6: Spud, attorney-client privilege is not in play here i think you're mistaken you're not being charged with a felony this is a standard yearly event that all employees undergo no need for attorneys yeah yeah oh
2: shut up that's what he said you would say uh well maybe now i've broken our, our attorney client confidentiality thingy um hey can that be stricken from the record
6: i'm not a court stenographer I think I'll leave now as my work's done. I'll talk yes. to you next week. Yes. Right now I need to prepare for the post-show report as I'm doing Lawrence's performance review too.
2: All right, fine. I have a show to finish, so go grab a cookie or something. All right. Hey, go. Oh, we got a call? We got a call? All right. Uh, we got like a, about a minute left or so. I'll take it. Put it through. Come on, give it Give it to me.
9: Hi, is this Bud?
2: Uh, yeah? Hey, if you want to express your opinion about the show, our executive producer's done here, so, you know, she's eating one of those stale cookies we feed the bands. She's not available is what I'm saying, okay?
9: Oh, no, I I wanted to speak with you. I've called in before a couple times. Do you remember me?
2: Uh, no. Should I?
9: Well, I just thought you would recognize my voice. I still think you're gay, but I'm guessing you continue to not be ready to accept this. Well, to me, it's pretty uh, clear, and my instincts on that they're never wrong. You'll find your life will open up to new possibilities
2: if you just come to grips with your true sexuality.
7: Well, what is the question?
2: Well, okay, yeah, I do remember you now. Uh, yeah, and I'll say this one more time. I am not gay. I mean, like I told Kathy Griffin earlier in the show, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm not gay. You know, I mean, I, I would know that, <laughs> all right? And, I mean, sure, it's, it is possible that I'm not aware of it, But I I, I doubt it at this point in my life, I'm I'm pretty sure. You know,
9: my ex-husband was in fact gay, and he did not realize it until we celebrated our 12th anniversary. We went to a Maroon 5 concert, and right during the song, makes me wonder, he turned to me and said, Honey, I think I'm gay. It really wasn't a shock, and since that night I've tried to help other men that I sense need help in facing this
2: reality and come out.
6: Courtney? Chloe?
2: Come out to where?
6: I mean, I have to
2: go, no, anyway. We're out of time, so. But why did you call again and try to mess up my head? I I mean, I told you the last time you called. I'm not gay. And if I was, you know, I mean, if I was, yeah, maybe it's possible. But I'd just rather not know, okay? I I just I have no problem with denial. Goodbye. All right, I'm Spud Goodman. Be all that you can be, and I mean that. God bless and ciao.
3: Are you sure you're not gay, Spud? I mean... You don't have a girlfriend now, do you?
2: Oh, like I said to that caller back then, I I am not gay. I mean, I mean, I've never been with a man romantically. Mostly, you know, when I'm with guys, we just like eat and drink, and that's pretty much it. Yeah, you know, and and I don't have a girlfriend right now, but but I do have a few women that have responded to my latest post, you on on Okay Cupid and on eHarmony. Uh, you know, I thought it would be. Wise well, to go with two sites at the same time, you know. This time, that, you know, to double my odds. It's it's kind of pricey, but hey, what are you gonna do? I mean, it was, it was, yeah. It's not worked so well for me, <laughs> you know, in the last few years. I think it's my new picture I put up that's generating some interest, because you can do wonders now. You know, with with those touch up tools you can find for free on the internet. I look pretty damn good.
6: You had me at
2: hello.
5: But. Can I ask if you got a horrible job performance review after putting Lori through what she had to deal with on this episode? I I mean, you were very disrespectful. I have to believe at least you got a less than satisfactory review. Anybody else would have been fired for sure.
4: Oh, I think the reason Spud hasn't been fired over the years is mostly because no one wants the hassle of dealing with him in future lawsuits for any unfair dismissal.
6: Hmm.
4: I mean, everyone knows he has deserved to be fired for years, but the prospect of him pursuing never-ending appeal hearings has saved his butt what manager would want to go through that,
2: huh? Uh, well, uh, duh, yeah. I mean, that's always been my go-to threat. You know, when the F word, fired, is brought up at performance review time. You know, you know, just, just threaten to sue. It served me well over the years. Yeah, that's a fact. Okay, uh, i I got to sign off right now. So I am Spud Goodman. Be all that you can be, and I mean that. God bless and ciao. Bye-bye.
3: You know, I had a friend in high school, He said his dad denied that he was gay for years until he suddenly left the family and married his best friend. I heard he and his buddy are still happily married, so it worked out for the best. It was a win-win for his mom and his dad.
4: Yes, yes, love always wins out. So, let's get going if you still want to stop by Sonic to get corn dogs.
3: Absolutely, Dorothy. Oh, you know,
5: I would love to go too, but uh, I have plans, so may- maybe another time.
3: Uh, yeah, right, Gerald. Maybe another time. Let's go, Dorothy.
4: okay. Okay.
2: Uh, You know they're never going to meet up with you after the show, dude. I mean, you you keep asking them over and over again, and they're they're pretty set on having their alone time. Chance does not like to share my Aunt Dorothy's attention with others, especially when they go get something to eat. He's a serious eater. Really? I did not see Chance as the possessive type.
5: But okay, then. I will make note of that next time when I don't have plans. Maybe you and I can stop on the way home and and grab a burger or something.
2: Uh, yeah. You know, I'm a serious eater, too, so I prefer to eat alone mostly myself. Yeah, anyway. I gotta go. Later. Oh, Oh, okay. Okay, bye. (laughs) Bye!
0: You've been listening to the Spud Goodman Radio Show. No more a waste of your time than other vacuous programs currently on the air. The show is written and directed by Spud Goodman. Produced by David Brenneman of Rosedale Audio Production. Original music by Michael Spots and Tom Harmon. Executive producer is Lori Madsen. Video director is T.J. Pice. Our interns are Trent Botello and Anna Howell. Live music production and broadcast engineering by Mike Renville at the facilities of NWCZ Radio. Promotional services and support provided by Big Freak Media, Seattle's only rock and roll publicist. Opinions expressed on this show do not reflect those of the station, the sponsors, or any living person except Spud Goodman. Copyright 2015, Spud Goodman Productions. David Brenneman speaking.
1: I'm really rich. I'm really rich. I don't care. Am I supposed to dislike him? Somebody from China, China, China. Am I supposed to dislike him? I don't need anybody's money. I'm really rich. I don't need anybody's money. I'm really rich. Hey, I'm not saying they're stupid. I like China. There's people that have lots of problems. I sell apartment for 10, I just sold an apartment for $15 million to somebody from China, somebody from China, somebody from China, China. I have lobbyists that can produce anything for me. They're great. I would build a great wall, a great wall, and nobody builds, nobody builds, nobody builds walls better than me, believe me. I'm really rich. I'm really rich. Hey, I have lobbyists, I have to tell you. I promise you one thing, if I win, the Spud Spud Goodman Show will be totally protected. That I can tell you.
0: Inside the Spud Goodman Radio Show, podcast, copyright 2023, Spud Goodman Productions.